good evening everyone it is 8 p.m eastern standard time it is 8 p.m in dominica in the caribbean this is 8 p.m in brooklyn and it's time for another installment of this week in interview i'm your host anthony drago and i want to say welcome to a very special program that we have in stock for you tonight uh, tonight is Today, the 25th of March, is the United Nations International Day of Remembrance of Victims of Slavery and the Transatlantic Slave Trade. So the 25th of March every year, the United Nations has set aside that day to remember the victims of slavery and the and those that perished and, and, and even those that survived the brutality of the transatlantic slave trade. I decided that tonight we're going to pay attention to that topic uh, on this week in interview. So let me say welcome and uh, if this is your first time joining us, I hope you enjoy the show. If you are a regular listener, let me, let me say welcome back we are always excited that you make the time to be with us on a wednesday night at 8 p.m and you know what we try to do is to bring you conversations that are stimulating normally we have um guests we, we invite a guest and we do an interview that's why the show is called this week in interview and we bring guests on who because of their experience because of their work uh, or otherwise um have interesting information to share with us and, and, and information that can center around a conversation that's going to leave us thinking and leave us knowing what actions we need to take. Well, tonight I decided to divert from that a little bit and I'm not going to have a guest live with me. Um, what I did was I, I, I s compiled a, a program tonight that's going to center on the theme remembering slavery and the victims of slavery and uh, the transatlantic slave trade but before we jump into that I, you, uh, those of you who listen to my program every week know that one of my passions is Caribbean unity and um, so you know that what goes with that is the the decision that I have made that I start every show by playing the national anthem not in, of CARICOM. Yes, CARICOM has a national anthem. Even if CARICOM is not yet a full nation, they do have a national anthem. And we always start the show with that. Um, last year sometime, the CARICOM had a competition. And among all the, the, the those that were the works that were submitted from across the Caribbean, Miss um, Mikkel Henderson from Dominica won that honor. And so therefore, tonight, as every Wednesday night, we're going to start the show by listening to the CARICOM anthem. From many distant lands Our forefathers came some seeking adventure, some bound in chains. Through battles waged and fought, 
Certainly, um, a beautiful song, the Karakum Anthem, and um, we we trust that you are going to embrace that song, add it to your iPhone, your playlist, and, and listen to it, because I hope you have the same dream that I have, that one day the Caribbean will be one country. Uh, tonight, we are observing the International Day of Remembrance for victims of slavery and the African slave trade. 
Um, this is observed every year on the 25th of March by the United Nations. And um, this year, the theme of this year's um, commemoration is uh, women and slavery. And so it was only fitting that um, it falls in March, which has been designated International Women's History Month. And so the focus is on the, the, the role that um, women has played in the struggle against slavery and, and the slave trade and, 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 and the continued um, unequal treatment of groups. Um, the tonight. So what I'm what I did tonight was I found a, a, a few recordings and and there's this there's this lady. Um, she resides in the UK. Um, this lady by the name of Esther Esther Stanford and um, she talks powerfully about about um, slavery and the effects of slavery and the transgenerational um, transition of, of trauma. Actually, there's this term that's called post-traumatic slave syndrome, PTSD, um, that we, we normally associate with persons coming back from war. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of scientists and people in the, in the field of psychology that that say that um, we, the descendants of slaves, suffer from similar symptoms. And so tonight we wanted to focus on that, but I wanted to particularly focus, since, since the day is remembrance of the victims of slavery, I wanted to focus on the question of reparation. Reparation for slavery. Reparation for the treatment of people of African descent. And when people hear reparation, it, it, it polarizes um, the debate very distinctly. Some people are against it and some are for it. And part of the reason for that is because people equate reparation with compensation. But tonight we want to, we want to delve into that topic a little bit deeper. And hopefully at the end of the hour, um, you will come out with a little bit of a better understanding, hopefully, of what the reparation movement is about. Um, the first set of Africans was sold in the United States, was sold in Jamestown, Virginia, um, in 1620. There were 20 of them that were sold there. By the time um, slavery was abolished at the end of the Civil War, there were estimates that some 25 million black people had lived and died under slavery in the United States. It is also a fact that there are a number of countries that have directly benefited and, and owe their current affluence and wealth directly to slavery. There are the actual corporations that, that, that go directly. There's been not, it's not that there's been a break or there's some indirect benefit. They directly benefited from slavery. And um, even after the emancipation of slaves, uh, the, the segregation that followed for, for 100 years, beyond 100 years, after emancipation, kept the descendants of the slaves at a disadvantage. So it's not a question as to whether slavery adversely affected um, people of African descent in all over the world. The question is, 
why has there not been uh, a sense of reparation, a, a movement, a more supported movement? There has not even been a formal apology. Um, and, and most people claim the reason why there's no formal apology is because if we apologize and you become liable and then you're going to have to pay. Uh, I think that's a very weak argument. That's like saying that the police brutalizes black people because they're scared of death. Um, but that's another story. But so, so what I wanted to do was to was to delve into that a little bit. CARICOM, we know, has launched what is called the CARICOM Reparation Justice Program, CRJP. And um, there's a 10-point program that they've put out. I'm going to run through it really quickly. Um, number one, they're seeking a formal, a full formal apology. The healing process for the victims and the descendants of enslaved and the enslavers require a precondition. As a precondition, the offer of a sincere formal apology by the governments of Europe. I will add to that the government of the United States as well. Um, the point number two was repatriation. Millions of Africans were stolen and kidnapped and transported away from Africa for the purpose of, of providing slave labor. Um, indigenous people development programs. Um, and of course, that's CARICOM, so they're focusing on the Caribbean, but, uh, but this can be easily translated into the experience of the um, Native Americans. Cultural institutions, that's going to honor our traditions and um, maybe recognize some of the crimes that has been done against our heritage. Um, addressing the public health crisis. Um, illiteracy, illiteracy eradication, African knowledge program, psychological rehabilitation, technology transfer, debt conciliation. That's number 10, debt conciliation. So running it back up, debt conciliation, technology transfer, psychological rehabilitation, African knowledge program, literacy eradication, illiteracy eradication, public health crisis, cultural institutions, indigenous people's development program, repatriation, and a full formal apology. Those are the 10 points um, that CARICOM put forward in their case for repatriation. But, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a couple um, debates that I, that I found online that really um, dissects the, prob the, the, the issue of reparation um, by the European countries. I'm going to play um, some excerpts from it uh, and, uh, in the hope that, you know, just from the debate, you as the audience will, is going to get a sense of what the repara reparation movement demands it's, and, and get away from the fact that when we hear reparation, we think compensation. Compensation is just one leg of, of reparation. Nations approved a plan to seek reparations from the former slaving nations, including Britain, for the victims of slavery, slave trading, genocide, and racial apartheid. And as a first step, they've engaged the British firm of solicitors who won 20 million pounds compensation for the Kenyan victims of torture by the British during the Mau Mau rebellion in the 1950s. Should we pay reparations for slavery, for the evil of slavery? Uh, Esther. Morning, Esther. Well, let me ask you first, um, because what's really fascinating about this 
and what a lot of people have not really focused on are the ongoing effects. I mean, there is something that you've spoken about before, intergenerational transmission of trauma. Tell me about that. Yes, well, basically, slavery and genocide has impacted not only the historical populations that were kidnapped from Africa, but also those of us who are the descendants of the enslaved today. And it's not only about trauma and multi-generational oppression. The whole discussion around wealth, there has been unjust enrichment to Britain, and there's also been unjust impoverishment, which has been passed on throughout the generations. So part of the legacy is this huge inequality that we see today mm. between the descendants of the enslavers and the descendants of the enslaved. And what about and, and psychological scars which have had societal effects, uh, ongoing economic effects to which Definitely. you've already said? What are, the, what are the psychological scars? Well, part of that... Intergenerationally. Yeah, intergenerationally, it's, it's not knowing who we are. It's a lack of connection, it's a lack of identity, a lack of nationhood, which is what makes us human beings, mm. essentially. It's not being rooted, it's being considered minority populations when we come from global majorities. And it's about having second-class status and citizenship wherever we have been located as a result of this dispersal and depopulation that happened originally in Africa. And there is a phenomenon as well that you believe is, really does exist, which is post-traumatic slave syndrome. Yes, well, it's something that I've not coined, but many of our social mm. uh, theorists and psychologists and psychiatrists have been looking at the, some of the mm. negative legacies that we have internalized, the internalization of racism, self-hate, anti-African sentiments and prejudice and discrimination, mm. a loathing of ourselves, vacant to see. Self-loathing. Self-loathing. Yeah. Self-loathing in terms of not being proud of who we are, not being proud of our heritage, not being proud of our African ancestry, changing our looks to kind of emulate Caucasian beauty ideals. These are some of the real legacies today in terms of the psychology. We also have to look at the uh, rates of mental health illness. And this has also been linked to All roots to back to slavery. All yeah. roots back yeah. to that. Can I ask you as well, Fern, as you're, you're there, I mean, you, you, you don't know each other, but it's, it's wonderful you're both on the program today. How it has affected, I mean, how has it affected you, Fern, slavery, you now, a woman in 2014? Well, um, it's very important what Esther's been saying about um, post-traumatic slave syndrome and the trauma that that's caused down the ages. And it has affected me because um, I've needed people to help me to get to where I am today. And mm. I think if they, if they hadn't done that, I, I wouldn't be talking to you today. So you, um, you've been lucky in that? I've, I've been very lucky in that I've been helped to be where I am today by people who are aware of the problems that Esther has, yeah. has Raised. And as a successful academic, that's something you've, you've had to battle against what, what happened I've had back to then. battle against racism in particular. But, but as a result of slavery. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Daniel Hannan. All right, let me, let me pause it right here because, um, you see, we had two, two women just articulate the position of why um, people of African descent have been traumatized by slavery. There's a, there's, she coined the term intergenerational transmission of trauma and um, post-traumatic slave syndrome. 
and under different effects. I thought she was very articulate in in expressing, you know, the the, the, the effects of slavery across generations. Now, listen to the to the comment that's coming up by the gentleman. Um, he's going to be asked a, a question by the moderator. Listen to his response. One of the things, of course, uh, which is. Uh, uh, most egregious about this, many argue, is the fact that the slavers at the time of abolition, uh, 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 in 1838 I think, were paid enormous amounts of money, huge amount paid to the slave owners, uh, equivalent of at least 16.5 billion pounds today. So why shouldn't the people who are still suffering have reparations? All right, so he's asking him, at the time of the abolition of slavery, the slave owners were compensated to the tune of $16 billion. Why shouldn't the enslaved, the descendants of the enslaved, be paid something? And listen to his response. Because I'm descended from slaves, and you are descended from slaves, and everybody here is, and everybody watching at home is. Slavery was universal. We're all also, by the way, descended from slave owners. Human history being what it is, it could hardly be otherwise. Slavery was practiced in China, in India, in Arabia, in Africa, by the Aztecs, by the Mayan. And, and I'm sorry, I'm going to play this again. Um, absolutely incredible, this guy says. One of the things, of course, uh, which is uh, uh, most egregious about this, many argue, is the fact that the slavers at the time of abolition, uh, 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 in 1838, I think, were paid enormous amounts of money, huge amount paid to the slave owners, uh, equivalent of at least 16.5 billion pounds today. So why shouldn't the people who are still suffering have reparations? Because I'm descended from slaves, and you are descended from slaves, and everybody here is, and everybody watching at home is. Slavery was universal. We're all also, by the way, descended from slave owners. Human history being what it is, it could hardly be otherwise. Slavery was practiced in China, in India, in Arabia, in Africa, by the Aztecs, by the Mayans, by the Incas, by the Pacific Islanders. Muslims enslaved Christians, Christians enslaved Muslims. And therefore, if you're looking at paying reparations, anyone whom you choose to pay is statistically certain to be descended both from the owners and the owned. There were 3,000 black slave owners in the US on the eve of the Civil War. We are, if you like, all in this together. And it's, it's therefore very difficult now to look at a population. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about continuing slavery, which is a huge issue and where we could be doing a, a great deal. But if you're looking at, at past slavery, it's just a question of how far back you want to go and we're all slaves. We're not all descendants of, um, you know, enslaved peoples and enslavers. I think that that is really, um, you know, falsifying history, and it actually is minimising the seriousness of what we're actually talking about. Chattel enslavement has happened to African peoples, and people of African descent is something different and unparalleled in human history. And that's the starting point for this conversation. It's, it's very cheap to then say, well, we've all been enslaved, because right now I don't have the same life chances and life experiences of many people who might even be sitting in this audience. I feel we need to understand this history. I'm not saying that we haven't all been impacted, but just to say, well, we've all been impacted the same is, is really not the starting point. Yeah, and Bernadette. I'm sure if anyone wants to... I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Now, this next comment is by a black woman, okay? 
incredible. That's, that's the reason why programs are this important. There is, there is such a, a need for education of our people. Let's get the tomatoes out. It's not spread <laughs> now. So, has it affected you? Okay, no, no, and this is it. I think we really have to be careful here. Has all that got to do with slavery being in a mental institution? I am a champion, uh, a volunteer, I'm a motivational speaker that visits prisons twice a week. Now, some of the lads in there, their crimes are not for because I was a slave 150 years ago. I think at some point, yes, of course we all know slavery was there. My God, bad things happened. Bad things uh, happened to me once, but it's what I do. You don't walk around with it. You have to move on. We've got to rise above it now and start moving on and thinking, okay, what are we going to do in the next 150 years so that our children can see, ah, oh, this happened to my great-great-grandfather, but wow, look what they've done now. We've got to start rising above this and get away from you owe me this, you owe me that, and going back. Look, of course, every black person knows it's really difficult in certain areas. What about the people that have profited from it? You know, the, fa the families that are still enriched Again, because of we this, know this, the tobacco millionaires, what, the so I live in Dorset. What am I going to do? Knock on all the manor houses in Dorset and say, right, give me a roof for the night, mate. <laughs> you know, hello, where does it, where does it end? You know? <laughs> Yes, they know. They are. Some of them are named and shamed, Nikki. They're all in Google. You can see who they are. They have been named and shamed. Almost an apology was made by Tony Blair. Yes, an apology. But the trouble is, no British government is going to apologise because that would open the floodgates. Fern, come on. Audience, it fun. Almost an apology. Apology was not made by Tony Blair. He expressed regret. regret. Yeah. yeah. I, that's not an apology. But there's a reason why. We know. Let's, I'm a realistic person. Let's be honest. It'll be another 150 years before they actually apologise and hand out cheques. And how are they going to do it? Well, we're not asking for cheques to be handed out. It's not about money. Not that cheapens the debate. Yes, it's I know. It's not but, about money. But, but if they apologise, you do realise the implications of if you apologise. The legal implications. What, yes, the legal implications. Then the compensation, when my great-great-great-great-great-great-father, he was... How, how, how are we going to do it, you see? How are we going to do it? That's not what, what Caricom are asking for. Caricom are asking for, for the first time ever, that the Western nations that were involved, such as the UK, France, Portugal, and so on, sit around the table with 15 heads of government and talk about the issues that plague us now. And then what? And what the issues that plague us now, what has that got to do with slavery? Because, I, I mean, my dad was 85, God bless him, when he died last year. That never stopped him. He was, he's a millionaire. He worked hard. This Seven is days why we need education. It's very important. One of the things that, that CARICOM talk about is education. But what has that got to do with slavery 150 years ago? Education. My dad educated me. Uh, the five girls, we got educated, not one of us touch would have gone wrong. I think all five of us has done well. The point I don't understand. The point to recognise here is that we're not talking about something that happened 150 years ago. Mm. We're talking about the current impact of slavery, colonialism and neo-colonialism, which brings us right here into the here and now. That's right. what we're talking about. Uh, the, okay, I, I know you want to come back right. on that. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> then, uh, hands up in the audience, because that's getting some quick point. Yes, you've had your hand up for um, uh, quite some time. Good yeah. morning. Sorry, in You're terms there. of um, discussing whether they, like African Caribbean countries, should mm. get reparation, it's saying that we've all been slaved before. Then why can't you? One question to that is why can't you correct it and show that it's not right by doing that? Also, the money that does go back can go into development schemes, and it is absolutely insane to assume that slavery hasn't got an impact. It's also like saying, oh, I've made it, so why can't you? 
you could look at victims of domestic violence and say, okay, you've made it in life. Why haven't you? The trauma on those children and those children, people could, you do, could do you believe in an intergenerational it. transmission of trauma? Do yeah, I do. What happened to your forefathers? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And yeah. also because mm. it's, if you're in an environment where there was self-hate, the problem is you, okay, you brainwashed Caribbeans, Africans, etc., and told them, you know, you're slaves, you're slaves, you're slaves. You didn't unbrainwash them. You didn't take it out of them. It has to be us building ourselves in order to remove that mindset. And society also has to open its mind. But you need schemes. You need things in place. We need economic power as okay, well. Okay, let, let's address that in a minute. Anyone else who wants to just make a quick point? Over here, there's, there's someone. I'm sure there's some more hands up. Let gentleman at the back, quick one. I think the economic legacy now, you're talking about Jamaica, which is spending more money repaying debt repayments than they are spending on exactly. education and health. Exactly. So how are, how are the uh, Caribbean countries going to be, move out yeah, from there when they expect to do that? Yeah. Talking about the freedom for, for countries. And that cancellation of debt is one of the CARICOM demands, isn't it? That, that's one of the things they're, they're arguing for. And that would have a massive impact, would it? It would do, but what we actually recognise, it goes beyond debt cancellation because the debts are illegitimate debts. It's debt repudiation. The, the people of the Caribbean didn't owe anything. And the reason why these debts were imposed on them is in itself a legacy of colonialism that must be corrected. Daniel Hannan. Well, I just wanted to come back to Esther's point that Britain was different. That, okay, we're all descended from slaves. The Greeks did it, the Romans did it, but uh, the, the UK... The Muslim slave trade, of course. Muslim slave trade. 15 million you know, people were enslaved. Yeah, yeah. Between 11 and 17 million uh, Africans traded by Muslims. But, but, but let's just focus on what makes Britain different. What makes Britain different is that we extirpated this disgusting business. We were pouring energy, not into just the abolition in our own territory, but in wiping out the slave trade. Even when we were in a life and death struggle against Napoleon, we were diverting ships and men to, the, to stamp out the transatlantic trade, from which we derived no diplomatic gain, no profit, because it was the right thing to do. So if Britain is different, it's different in a very good way. It's not. Actually, we talk about abolition, but we don't talk about Britain's commencement into this whole process of enslavement. That's because we didn't 1562. commence it. What happened in it. between it 1562? All the wealth that was generated that helped to make Britain great, so-called, the British Empire, all of this came from enslavement and colonialism and ill-gotten gains. And it links to this modern discussion around inequality and the huge gap between the nations, not only in terms of Britain and Europe, but also the rest of the world, and in particular, Africa and the Caribbean. There was existing slavery going on in Africa, which had been going on forever, as it had been going on in no, Europe. It was in, no, in the it was not the same. What made us no, it was not stopped. the same. That is a falsification of history. What we had in Africa was systems of pawnship and forms of serfdom. So it was which very was different. It very, was, very, it very different. different. What very about? Different. So it's different from because when this this is such a uh, you know fascinating debate when it uh, when people have it. But one of the things which is always brought up is what about those of Irish extraction, for example, and you know a thousand years of uh, of British history. Do they have a, a an intergenerational transmission of trauma, uh, and also? You know, the British working classes, whether it be the Highland clearances or whether it be the, the mills, the, the, the dark satanic mills and, and uh, the, the, working, the mines, the working class struggle. You know, do those, do, do those people have intergenerational scars? Yes, and in fact there are people from within those communities who argue that. This discussion around the impact right? on Irish people. Do you people, think they're right? Yes.
Yes. So reparations means, is not just that about people of African descent. No, what it means is that we have to understand our distinct histories and what has happened to specific groups. It's not just about putting it all into the pot and say we're all oppressed. We're all oppressed differently. Is it, well, do we and all have fact, victimhood, though? Well, no, it's not about victimhood. It's about recognizing what no. has happened no. and how do we repair the damage, which is what, incidentally, the term reparations means. How do we repair damage? It's not about compensation. Francis Davis. Yeah, I mean, I'm of Irish extraction and I was so, I was, you know, of Irish heritage, so I was thinking about the Irish situation as well and the differences between America welcoming and a lot of Irish people in other parts of the world not being so welcoming. Seems to me that we need to be very careful because Britain's track record in some areas is good, but 100,000 Croats and Bosnians left a rot as they came out of Vienna, the massacre at Amritsa, um, you know, people's, people's bodies on balance sheets of uh, English-owned diamond mines in South Africa. We don't have a good track record. If we go down compared the... Compared to who? Who's got a perfect record? Well, n nobody, but com com compared to lots of other countries. And you'd have to make variations even within Africa between the ghastly mess that the Belgian made in the Congo compared to the relatively balanced way that we came out of a country King, like King Leopold, Zambia. one of the horrors yeah. of history. And just a great, great, you know, and, and then you've got Pol Pot, which we forget about here. And, and, and it just seems to me that we need to step back and say, this is over now. Yes, we are sorry. Yes, we need to regret it. We can't sort it financially, except perhaps by overseas relief, except by debt, debt remission, except by other ways of looking forward and rebuilding the global economy. But to keep looking back and saying, well, this passes down 15 generations, doesn't do anyone any favours. The possible reason to embark on overseas aid is to make yourself feel better. The reason to do it is because you think it's making an improvement on the ground. If you go into it in order to assuage your own guilt and you're signing the checks without really looking at whether it's making things better or worse, then almost certainly it's going to make things worse. And James, and James, just very quickly, no, that's, please, why, that's why we should be in Europe backing the Ukrainians who were shafted oh, by the Nazis listen. and the Soviets and pushing back against your argument. Right. Right. <laughs> you know he's a, a, noted, <laughs> a, noted, a noted Euro skeptic. Uh, James, you've been, you know, I can see from your facial expressions, you've been engaged in this debate. Do you want to say something about this debate? Sure. Um, it, it's an extremely interesting debate. In fact, we, we had it in the car on the way down here this morning that we started it off. Um, I think a couple of things. First of all, I, I agree with Daniel that, that uh, these are terrible evils, and Britain was the country that stood by and actually, in fact, it was the Royal Navy which was uh, instrumental in stopping the trade. And I think that, that's extremely important and should be actually celebrated. And, and as you say, no country was perfect. Um, but Britain was probably better than a lot of other countries. And so for us to sort of be the first port of call in demanding reparations is it's just slightly strange really no it's not and in fact what trade what slave trade that's not a term that comes from us mm. in the same way jewish people talk about a shoah mm. a holocaust yeah. for us it was a holocaust sure. for us we cannot move on and it's, and it's not a victimhood thing there no. are two dimensions to repairs or reparations internal and external internal is what we owe ourselves how we have to reclaim our agency and our self-determination what the jewish community does then and light candles and pass the no, no, they do the more than that. There was the establishment of the state Masha, of Israel Masha, and billions of dollars to maintain in it in yeah. terms of compensation. Yeah. It wasn't just about lighting candles. Yeah. Well, should we feel guilty? No, 
no, is it about? No, this is not about a guilt complex. It's not about white guilt. But if you've got, shame, if you have a no. transmission, an intergenerational, I have to write it down because it's kind of trauma. intergenerational transmission and, of trauma and depression. Is there then? I mean, there was a story recently about uh, Dominic Cumberbatch's uh, yes. great 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 grandfather, whatever, was a slave owner. There, are, there are others. Uh, is there an intergenerational transmission of, of, of guilt? Well, I think so. I think that's think part so? of why this debate mm. gets shut down and why it gets minimised. But that's yeah. not what that's we really want. What we I... want is a conversation so that there can be greater understanding in British society mm. as to how we've come to be where we are. So that's about history. What we need then to tidy up history, put things that were deleted back in. Black History Month, this is about our community helping one another and passing the world on rather than going back, 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 you owe me this, you owe me that. We need to sort ourselves out first and then we can spread the world. Well, it's both, actually. It's not one or the other. It's both internal and it's both mm. yes. the fact that there are people today, families today, institutions in Britain today, that are basically surviving on, thriving on ill-gotten gains. Capital, but wealth, but assets. But can you, assets. can you ever see a moment when it is over? Well, there can only be answer. You asked the question. Here's the answer. Only when there is justice, and there hasn't been justice. What does that look Why like? is it so hard to recognise the justice cause of people of African descent? There's a huge amount of complicity in this Are we less than human beings? No, is that what you're saying? Does everyone else have a right? to a recognition of their experience, mm. but we must just forget it and move on? Is that what we're really saying? Well, no, no, is no, that no, what religion no, no, is about? For a long time, and people from minority communities fought heroically for the right for everyone to be treated the same. Equality under the law is one of the things that defines this country and that should make us all very proud, which is why I find it very sad to hear you arguing that we should be treated differently. Um, equality under the law, that's in, that's in paper, statute. Why do we still have discrimination? Okay, ben. Why is there huge income inequality? Yeah, ben, that's Wealth that, inequality An issue still. that Ben is very much focused on, as we heard from the previous it, debate. Is this, should this be a, given the horror of it, and I've not known much about it, read a couple of books on the Atlantic slave trade, and they've just draw, jaw-droppingly evil and horrific. People being thrown off boats as if they were cargo for insurance purposes. Uh, it's, it's just egregious and wicked in the extreme. Should this be a priority? It was a shockingly evil part of history. You know, the reason the boats had to kept, keep going was because the women could no longer give birth because they had been so ill-treated that they were no longer fertile. And even today, the poorest parts of Africa are those parts from which the slaves were taken. Even today, the latest statistics show that the poorest parts of Africa... DRC, CAR... And, 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 and the West African coast are the, uh, remain uh, the poorest parts. So this, this, the consequence of this horrible history is still felt today. Yeah. And so anything that people can do both to acknowledge that injustice, but also to make the world a better place, a fairer place, is a good thing to do. Aid is right in part because we are atoning for our history and okay. also because, and also because it means kids in school and kids alive who would otherwise be dead. So the work towards a just world and a world that recognizes history is so important. And I, I think Esther's really, really set it out very well today. Thank you all very much. All right. So. <laughs> Uh, wasn't that interesting? And um, interesting, especially with the pushback um, that was coming from the sister. Uh, 
Her father did well. He died a millionaire, and he raised six girls, and they're all doing well. And she takes that to mean, well, we should just move on. Um, but today being the day of remembrance of victims of slavery, there's a point that this last gentleman made. He said that slavery was so brutal to women that it rendered them infertile, black women. And that is one of the reasons why the slave trade went on for as long as it went, because they kept having to keep get new Africans um, to work. The women were infertile, the men were abused, and, and it was just brutal. And um, the, other, the other point that stuck with me um, that Esther made was, why is it that almost every other group of people who've been discriminated against, their, their discrimination and their brutality is recognized, apologized for, compensation is paid, reparation is paid, and, but everybody, when it comes to the most horrific experience in human history, asking black people to just move on. I mean, are we not entitled to justice like everybody else? And so, I, I hope you agree with me that this back and forth that we just heard, that, that this back and forth that we just heard from, from this young lady in Britain, young black lady called Esther Stanford, um, let me tell you what her, what her full name is. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to say it right, but I will. I will. Esther Stanford Zose, X-O-S-E-I. Maybe Hosei, I don't know. But um, she, she <laughs> made the case very, very, very powerfully and, and, and in a very clear and succinct way um, as to why it's so important to for us as black people to recognize what was done with us, come to terms with it, recognize that it's the effects are still with us, and therefore take steps to, to, to mitigate against the impact on us and our children. And at the same time, society as a, as a whole, as a wider society, has to be willing to recognize the debt that is owed literally the debt that is owed to persons of, of, of African descent. Not only the people that, that were enslaved, but the, but, but the people who reside back in Africa because so many of their able-bodied persons were taken out. And so, um, I, 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 like I said, I hope that you agree with me that um, this was very, very enlightening. Um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to come back to Esther um, she, uh, a presentation that she did um, explaining um, what she considers to be the five um, strands of reparation. And it's, it's cessation of the brutality, the stopping of the brutality, restitution, satisfaction of all people that we've been properly taken care of, compensation and rehabilitation, those five legs. So when we come back, we'll, we'll go back to another excerpt from, um, from this lady, uh, Esther. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to try to get this lady to, to, as, as a guest on my show because I think that she's just absolutely powerful. But let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to invite your calls um, if you want to join in the conversation. I hope you find this as fascinating as, as I do. Yeah, from my 
Nations International Day of Remembrance of the Victims of Slavery and the Transatlantic Slave Trade. Uh, the f- f- from from the 16th century, um, the 1500s. Really, um, African people were kidnapped and um, transported across the Atlantic and made to work for the enrichment of of the countries, the United States and the European countries. And um, for years, for decades, we've struggled for recognition um, 
of that brutality that has been done to us. And up to this day, we've not been able to get an apology. Um, the closest we've gotten is an expression of regret. What is it about black people that, that, that makes people think that we don't deserve not even an apology, but we but we demand more than an apology. We we demand reparations, and um, so tonight tonight I'm dedicating the show to that I'm, and devoting it to the, the, our demand for reparation, um, and I'm taking the the, the the stance that when people equate reparation with compensation. When we talk of reparation, people say, oh, who are you going to pay the money to? Who's going to pay the money? What are you going to do with the money? And I, I, I'm making the point that reparation is not just about compensation. And listen to, we go back to, I'm going back to an excerpt from this, from this very, very powerful lady, because tonight is also about women and slavery. That is the theme of um, this year's Day of Remembrance. Um, of victims of slavery. It, it, the theme of this year is women and slavery, and I, and I found this absolute powerful spirit of a woman, in Miss um, Esther Sanford. Um, she is a Jewish consultant, and um, she, she just speaks about these things so clearly and passionately that I, I thought it, it, it was really cool that I was able to, to share it with you. So let's go back to that. Um, I can take your calls, but I want to get through um, this last clip, uh, and then and then I can I can open the lines and and if you want to call in to make a comment, you can. Okay, let's listen. And it's problematic if we keep talking about reparations and restricting that to financial compensation. That's not what the term means. It's not my language, but I'm saying that's not what the term means. It's never meant that within the European. Um, Convention on Human Rights within the United Nations frameworks which have been shaped by all the peoples of the world, there is a recognition that reparations must be holistic, must be comprehensive, must be all-encompassing. There are five key strands. The first one is cessation and guarantees of non-repetition. What that means is that if we are continuing to experience violations, which we are, neo-colonialism, racism, we can go on. They have to stop. How can you start repairing something when you're still in it? We have to put a stop. Whether we're saying we're being deprived of our resources in Africa, we have to ensure that stops. And cessation means governments who are exploiting our natural resources so many of us now we're talking about credit crunch and all of this, they're cutting people's means of survival, yeah. is because we are being denied our rightful inheritance. Yeah. So cessation, key aspect of, in terms of the first steps to repairing, you have to put a stop to the injuries that are continuing to be meted out. Then we have restitution which means to put us back in the position we would have been in had slavery, colonialism, contemporary neo-colonialism, global apartheid, racism, you name it. Had all these things not occurred, where would we be? And this is not saying we're going back 500 years or 2,000 years, okay? That's restitution. And people talk about Jews, but they don't mention 
the first act of so-called reparations for Jews was establishing the state of Israel. It wasn't just financial compensation. It was establishing a homeland. That's right. Okay, restitution. And that means our right to have restituted to us, given back to us, our lost citizenship, our lost inheritance. So repatriation comes under that. Okay? The right to have restored all of our wealth, all of our arts, our artifacts, everything. Our, um, uh, our place, our family lineages, all of that restitution. Okay? Then we have our satisfaction, which are measures that we put in place to ensure that we feel satisfied that we've had some measure of justice. So that's normally things like commemoration days and changing the curriculum and whatever, whatever. The whole range of things. Symbolic, they call it, reparations. So changing the street names and reclaiming our names and blah, 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 blah. Whole range of things. Can't go into it for me now. We also have compensation. Now this is within mainstream European United Nations frameworks. This is what it is. And it's not that they coined it, they have simply taken global and universal principles that come from all the peoples of the world, especially us, as the first peoples on the planet Earth. Okay? Compensation is not just about money. Compensation is about putting a material value on many things, so that's loss of dignity. Loss of reputation, loss of standing. Who are we today? Are we doing the jobs that we're qualified? Are we uh, being loss underemployed? Or are we having to just do jobs to fit in? We know what the unemployment rate is. So compensation is all of that. It's all about when we're talking about trade and all of that. All, we're, all everything we're losing, all the subsidies that are going to European farmers, that is really not going to our, our, our farmers in the Caribbean, yep, that's yep. impacting the whole region, yep, that yep. survives on tourism. Yes. Yes. And that we know that that is, that is literally causing death for our people. Because yes. many of us are supporting our families back home, yes. who rely on remittances, who rely on the barrels, yes. who unfortunately many of our brothers and sisters now having to rent to this and rent to that and yes. selling this and selling that to survive. That's the reality. Compensation. So it's really putting a material price. Compensation also is about land restitution. What is the value of our loss of land rights? Why are we here, like, all night in concrete jungle, to high rise, all the crime? Why? Why are we squeezed up like in this country even? So-called 60-odd million of us live on less than 10% of the land mass in this country. In fact, about 5%. So when you're driving on the motorway, you see all that land, who does it belong to? But then they have us all in these urban areas, and then they say, oh, immigrants. And now many of us are saying, oh, no more foreigners should come here. Like as if we're not the foreigners to these people. Yeah? Although we've been here a long time, we were here before then, but that's another story. Okay? Compensation. And then we also have uh, rehabilitation. How we rehabilitate ourselves, restore ourselves. That, I'm, I'm, I don't want to use the word healing, 
because it's misunderstood. But that includes social welfare services, legal services, all the all the, the counselling we never had, all of those community support services, our family strengthening and building services, everything that helps rehabilitate us so that we can stand as human beings, as equal, not to them, but to each other. Yeah? And the guarantees of non-repetition, which go with the cessation, but I always end it, I leave it last. That's vital. And in our repair struggle, because we don't have a holistic 360 degree view around this, we emphasize one over the other. No, it's compensation. No, it should be rehabilitation. No, it's this. No. And negotiate. They've emphasized that it's about diplomacy, partnership with the European governments, the European Union, diplomacy and dialogue. And it's about reforming the post-2015 development agenda around the Millennium Development Goals. All right. So... <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Um, the five key areas of reparation. Cessation, stop brutalizing me before you say you're trying to repair it. Restitution, giving me redress, restoring me to where I would have been if the brutalization didn't happen. Satisfaction. I have to feel satisfied with the efforts that are being made to repair the damage that has been done to me. Compensation, which is the one we hear the most about, but uh, yeah, it has to be recognized what part of your heritage, what part of your development was lost, and that has to be adequately accounted for. And of course, rehabilitation, which is where we address the, the psychological and on all these other impacts that our people go through because of the trauma that we've experienced from slavery. And um, so I, I really hope that you, that you enjoy the program that we had tonight. I wanted to address it in that way because I don't think that we should be cowering. I don't think that we should feel ashamed um, when we say that, that we would like repatriation for, for the harms that has been done to our people. But, but to, take, to take all the noise about compensation and what you're going to do with the money out of the argument, or don't make it the focus of the argument, but, but look at repatri reparation as, as a whole. And um, also... We, we, would, we would like to, to see black people come together with a global strategy about, about what we're going to do about black people, about our plight, our brothers and sisters on the continent and worldwide. We should have a global, a global movement, and, and our, our action should be strategic. It should be global, it should be strategic, it should be political, and, and, and we should strive to have the legal framework within which we operate. And there are enough minds um, all over the world that, that are brilliant and, and that understand the, what is required. We, just, we as a people just need to be able to harness that into, into a global movement. It, it is 9 o'clock, three minutes after 9 o'clock. Um, if you wanted to join the discussion, I'm going to stay on for another five minutes. Um, and you can call in. The number you can call in on is 617-222-2222. Um, 
3720107 if you want to make a contribution to the debate um do you do you agree with with, with reparation do you don't agree with reparation what how do you see it how would you frame the argument um and all of that uh if you want to if you want to participate i'm going to keep i'm going to keep stay on stay on for an extra an extra five ten minutes if we if we do get that participation but i hope i, I you see why i i wanted to to do a program like that um where I, the debates and the points that were made were made so clearly and so succinctly that i that, that I, I i just think that um it was um it, it was it was you know absolutely uh just well done by and again it was done by women um expressing expressing their their opinion but um i, I trying you know and this this year is about the focus is on women and slavery and i just thought it was it was it was a very 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 fitting so let's take a song while i wait if you want to call in um, you can call in at 617-372-0107. Old pirates, yes, they rabbi. Old nights of the merchant ship.
absolutely a beautiful rendition from um, Bob Marley of Redemption Song. I, I love that that version. Him and his acoustic guitar on that on that one. Um, so I'm, I'm going to end it. Uh, I, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we I, I thank you for staying with us. Another episode of of um, this week in interview. Uh, this week I think we. We, we touched on a very important, important topic. Unfortunately, it's, it's an issue that's been going on for, for over 100 years. And um, we still, you know, um, haven't made much headway because I think we have not approached it in a very strategic way. And, and uh, what, what I like about this is CARICOM seems to be taking the lead. And, I, and, and it just... Here's my point that um, when we act as one in the Caribbean, we're so powerful, such a powerful force. Uh, CARICOM is, is planning to go to the World Court, the International Court of Justice, and, and um, we're going to seek reparation from the European countries who directly benefited from slavery. And I didn't see the United States in there, but I hope that the United States of America is in there as well. But, you know, this, this would be absolutely powerful. And um, we have some stalwarts in the Caribbean that, you know, at the forefront of that. Um, Dr. Ralph Gonzalez has this book out making the case for reparation for, for Caribbean slavery. But what we want to see even more is... Yeah, let, let the Caribbean move be the initiative, but a coming together of the global African community and the approach and the demands that we make, make it as one, as one voice and one people. And not necessarily in an, in an antagonistic way. I guess in the same way that people don't look at Israel as certain it's, it's right to exist, um, even if we, I certainly don't agree with the way in which they, they're doing it, um, very few people question their right to exist as a state. Um, that's where we want to get, where people recognize that black people have a right to, to demand recognition of what was done to us and an attempt at redress so that those of our community who are suffering for because of, of lack of um, what new name it opportunity uh, resources access to finance access to healthcare all of these things um, all over the world uh, as long as you know we get people to recognize that we have a right to demand that and that um, it's not it's not correct to say well okay. Um, we enslaved you for 500 years, and then, okay, you want your freedom, we kick you out the door, you're now free. Now you're free, let's see what you can do. No, um, it's not, it's not, <laughs> that's absolutely not fair, and by anybody's imagination, um, to think that that is fair. Not even, not even a child um, uh, would think, our children has, uh, 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 have not been corrupted by the world, uh, are, are very fair-minded. So, Hopefully, you know, as, as we go along, we plot along, we bring more of the resources to bear, we educate ourselves, um, we encourage people to join the struggle, 
and we are going to turn the tide around and um, and get our people on on a path where we can stand among each other and among everybody in the world as equal and equally proud of who we are and our heritage. So let me say thank you for staying with me um, for another episode of This Week in Interview. Uh, this Week in Interview was interesting. Uh, I hope you I hope you enjoyed it. What I would say is um, what you do next. Continue to educate yourself about the movement for repatriation. For reparation. Not repatriation, reparation. Continue to educate yourself. Become familiar with the movement. You know, um, form your opinion about it. And look for opportunities to educate somebody next to you, educate your children um, into, you know, this is what we've contributed to the world. This is what we should be proud of. But not just say, well, oh, we're Africans, we're sons of kings, and we should be proud. Um, I, I, you know, we, we have a caller, and Allah was about to shut. Let's, let's, let's take this caller. Uh, caller, good evening. Welcome to this week in interview. Thank you for taking my call. Call, yes, caller, you have um, a radio in the background. You turn it down. Okay, it's no longer there. Go ahead, caller. You want to join the discussion? Yeah, I just wanted to touch on quickly one thing because I know you have to go. Um, one of the things she said um, that, that 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 Sister Esther said, which and by the way, she was she was very powerful, and um, um, I got to go look her up. I actually had to go look her up and um, you know get some more of what she's she's talking about. But one of the things she said that I think is very powerful is that um, as part of, of um, reparations is the diseducation, you know, of, of former slaves and, and, the, and their descendants. You know, they, they, they just left, basically. They ended slavery and they, they simply left without um, putting methods in place to, um, to remove that kind of indoctrination from 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 our people, so that way it, it that makes it more difficult, you know. Which is why we still have mental slavery, if you will. So I, I find I think that was very very powerful. Um, in fact, that was probably one of the most powerful things that she said that um, that needs to be done as part of part of any kind of reparations agreement. And, and I agree with that completely. It's not something that can just happen. Um, several people will mature and grow out of it. I think it's something that has to be deliberately and intentionally planned and the infrastructure and the, the institutions have to be put in place to educate people about that. It's not As, as the young lady, there's another young lady that made a comment um, in that thing that I played. She said, the people of the Caribbean and the Americas and so on were brainwashed during slavery and emancipation didn't unbrainwash them, you know? Yeah. And, and and that is why I played the Bob Marley song about re, you know redemption song. Um, none but ourselves can free up our minds, but one of the things we can demand from the people who enslaved us is the resources to allow us to create the institutions to do it with. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 the same thing as uh, as trying to re rehabilitate. Um, certain people, because in certain countries, um, when when you know, like drug addicts, for example, um, or you know, just people who do bad things, in some cases, they put them in a center and have to to try and rehabilitate them, especially if they are at a young age. 
you know, try to get them to, to do better. And it's almost the same thing needs to be done, but we need it needs to be done on a on a massive scale. Basically, it's it's uh, you know, it, and and I think one of the reasons why people are not talking about it or they are not pushing hard is because they are they are afraid. They are afraid that this is such a huge task. You know, uh, what if we take this on and it doesn't work, or how long is it going to take? How much money is it going to cost? Um, I think that is probably what I would say one of the reasons why, um, you know, people just refuse to push for it or refuse to fight for it because the fear of the unknown, fear of not, you know, um, thinking that it may not work and, you know, but um, that the sister is right, that unless unless we have some kind of um, um, educational program or some kind of reformation, reform, uh, to to desensitize our kids from this from this kind of um, from all of this stuff, it's it's going to it's going to go from generation to generation, and it's never going to end. And um, and I agree. And if you if you listen to the pushback that came both from this black lady as well as this white guy that's saying, well, all of humanity there was slavery, so nobody owes anybody anything because we're all slaves. Um, that is such. That is such a cop out. I would like to, I would like to put this same gentleman in front of a, a body of Jewish, of the audience. Jewish audience and say, "Well, you didn't deserve any compensation. Human beings been killing each other for, from the, from the beginning. So why should you have gotten any compensation? We don't owe you anything. Uh, you know, yeah. um, well, we, we we certainly know how how that one would go. And therefore, yeah. I am saying that I think it is." I think it's just a question of it's racism. It's another manifestation of racism that there is such pushback every time people of African descent say, well, we need you to, to, to recognize what you did to us and agree to pay for the institutions that we need to, to help ourselves to get out of that mentally. Because it's, it yeah. seems that they can do it with every other, they can recognize it with every other group of people, except people, upset except Africans. And, 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 and I think once the discussion has to get broadened, um, because people get hung up on this question of compensation, who are you going to pay to? And who's, they, they, they find ways to pay when they need to pay, you know. <laughs> well, because they hung up on money, and then well, you see that's the thing. Every, like you say, I agree that it is it is just part of the whole um, racism system. Because what that says is that as soon as you bring up the idea, they already thinking, oh, they want money, and first thing they do is put a mental block on that, so it stops right there. It's money they want, and that's it. So they're not hearing anything else you say. All they are hearing is, you want money. You want payback. But in, for any crime that is committed against anybody in any country with laws, that is part of, that's usually part of the punishment for the criminal for, for, some, for some cases, right? Restitution. You, yeah, restitution. You pay, you, either you pay money and you go to jail or you pay money and you don't go to jail but at the same time you can't say it's okay for one set and say well for others they don't deserve it because did, did they put themselves in that position did they say hi come and enslave us no 
so why is it okay for 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 one group and not okay for the for the other? Especially when there is record. We're not talking about well, we have to go and figure out some science. You know, there is record of and evidence no of, of the people no that denying. directly benefited. The the people yeah. that directly benefited. The evidence and the record is right there. You know, it's, it's, well, as, it's so as if I go rob a bank, okay? I, I I go in a in a liquor store, hold up a store. I take the money, I come home, I give it to my mother, and I go back out in the street. I get shot or I get put in jail. But in the meantime, my mother can keep the money that I gave her and go out and spend it and build a house and buy a car right. and, and and live on it because oh well. The person that committed the crime she, is in jail. She's not, not the she. one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That is what is equivalent to. Yeah. Exactly. It, 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 it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work <laughs> that way, and it's a very simple case to make. Um, so I'm very heartened by the step that Caricom is taking. I'm very heartened by, um, you know, we have powerful women like Esther. I didn't yeah. play. There's a part. There's a clip part of it I wanted to play where she was expressing concern about the way CARICOM was going about um, doing it because she's basically saying, well, so many people in Britain who are African in Britain who see themselves as Caribbean people. They, they see themselves as Jamaicans and Bajans and Dominicans and, and whatever. But when CARICOM put their case forward, CARICOM is putting their case forward solely for people who are currently residing in the Caribbean. Uh -huh. and, and she's saying that when oh, that should not be when CARICOM put the case forward they should recognize people of Caribbean descent all over the world of course and, yeah it should be that way and, and not Maybe. only that they should recognize that it that, that it's not just a Caribbean thing it's part of a whole global you know a whole global um, struggle and initiative so hopefully yeah. we will see that um, that trans um, global um, movement, you know, pan-African movement, some people call it, um, take, you know, take root and, and we'll see, um, we'll finally see some, some positive um, steps in that, in that regard. And, 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 I, and, I, and I don't see what the demand has having anything to do with anti-UK or anti-US or anti-white. It's just saying, well, we can all get along better if we recognize right. that this was done and we take steps to address it. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. So I think what should happen is that the discussion needs to keep going and the discussion needs to be public because it seems to me that CARICOM is doing, doing this, but it's almost in isolation. I mean, you have a, a few news items there about it once in a while, but you don't hear any other... Um, radio stations picking this up, and I'm glad that TDN Radio picked it up, decided to, because, I, I mean, I, I never heard it on any other station as, you know, serious as this. No, you know, it's it's almost like, you know... Um, There's a whole big movement as if it's an underground movement, but it's not yeah, an underground it, movement. It's quiet. No, it's almost yeah. like, uh, it's in one, uh, kind of that's actually... I should say that it's it's really CARICOM's fault. It's really the groups. They should be the ones making the media talk about what they're doing. You know, they should be calling every single radio station or emailing every single radio station producer that they can find and say, hey, we're doing this movement and we would like you to, to, to push it. Ask for interviews and that kind of stuff and, and get 
get that movement so they can gain momentum. Exactly. But and, it's and, quiet. And, and, and now is a unique time, you know, because from 2014 to 2025 has been declared as a decade of people of African descent. Yes. And the Caribbean yes. is probably, what, 90% people of African descent, maybe 80, but, but very high. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. you, when you listen to media from the Caribbean, that is not front and center the way you would think that it should be front and center. <laughs> well, that's what um, I'm saying. So it's it's you know I think we have a problem with with promoting our own thing. It's like we say we hear we hear Caricom is doing this, but it's it's almost like it's a passing story. You know, it's right. not it's not it's, it's not, not kept, that important. Yeah. It's like you know you say oh well that's not going to work anyway. Nobody is going to pay anything anyway. So why pursue it? And that is the attitude that a lot of our people have, that we just, we give up before we even begin. Well, and, um, at, at, from, from our point of view at TDN, we, um, we definitely going to keep the flame burning um, because I, I, it's something I'm very passionate about. And mm-hmm. it's certainly, um, I'm going to see if I can send, can contact Esther to have her on my show. Um, and um, definitely, I've been seeking to have an audience with um, Dr. Ralph Gonzalez. I actually, yeah. I actually spoke with his press secretary um, in this week, so hopefully we can get we can get to him soon um, because he has a book out on the reparation for slavery. I want to talk to him about that and about the whole CARICOM um, reparation um, movement. So we have some things in store. Um, but thank you very much for calling. Caller, let me um, let me let me wrap up um, this weekend interview. My pleasure. And um, thank you for for tuning in. Well, uh, listeners, um, we we had an extended little extension from from the producers, um, but the show, you know, the topic is is so is so is so salient um, that we have to continue continue the conversation. I'm actively seeking an audience with the likes of Dr. Ralph Gonzalez to come on as a guest. So I want to thank you for staying with us, um, regular listeners. And if tonight was your first night, I hope you found the conversation um, interesting. I tried to put some powerful women in front of you um, in keeping with the theme for today, Women and Slavery, as part of the Day of Remembrance for Victims of Slavery and the Transatlantic slave trade and so i want to bid you good night i want to say thank you to our engineer and sam um, sam engineer and producer sam um does does an excellent job every every wednesday night and um, i'm your host anthony jago i want to tell you i'll see you next week maybe um even if i'm not here because i i had some sad news i have to go to houston to um for final send-off to to one of my older brothers um but I will leave you in ably hands of, of Sam next week if I'm not here. Plus, um, we have our first health um, installment for 2015. So our, our guest host, um, this Rosalind Carbon, um, will be here with a guest. And the topic for next week's program is going to be childhood obesity. So I hope you, you um, tune in for that. In the meantime, remember, we now have a Facebook presence or Facebook page this week in interview and please go there and um, and like us and share our posts also if you go on tdnradio.net I want to like you to sign up for the newsletter 
because I do communicate that way um, a little bit about the topics that are coming up for discussion. As usual, I also encourage you to send me emails um, making suggestions of topics that you would like to hear discussions on or persons who you think we can interview who have a lot to share. So let me say good night. And um, this has been This Week in Interview. Thank you for tuning in. Mm-hmm.